My name's Gareth Bowley, and it's my joy to lead the team here at Reconciliation Road Church, situated on the boundary between Mimizam Toti and Bekerwande Township in South Africa. We recently changed our name from Oasis Church because we really felt we needed a new name to more clearly articulate who we are as a local church for this new exciting journey that we're on. It's our joy to see people who've been previously divided and separated, now united in Christ Jesus, here in our church, loving one another in deep relationship with one another. All are welcome, every type of person, every background, every class, every culture is welcome, is invited to join this journey. wonderful video for us to watch and we actually have those two pastors here with us and you know they actually came all the way from South Africa to enjoy the snow <laughs> sorry about that yeah they believe they brought it and I'm willing to affirm that um, but what a wonderful remember a re reminder that uh, we can actually enjoy what the new Canadian Friendship Center has done for us with the Artist Collective. You can pick up your own handcrafted hat or slippers or many other things. And if you want to have one of those opportunities, we just ask that you'd find some information in your atrium, in the atrium here at Central Campus, uh, so that you can have your chance to actually keep your head warm in the weather that our brothers brought us. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Let me, uh, let me just pray for them as we get, turn this over to them. Father, thank you for this day. We're grateful for the snow that washes away the dirt of the outside, and you are doing that in our lives. So Lord, remind us of that this morning as you share with us through these men. Bless them, encourage them, and we give our time to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Would you give a Center Street welcome to the, our brothers? Good morning, church. Uh, Sanborna, um, we just want to um, appreciate this opportunity that you're giving us. We just want to bring greetings from uh, South Africa and from uh, our church, Reconciliation Road Church in Amazon Toti, Durban. Uh, what we are going to do today is just, we just want to share with you. Uh, from First Samuel, chapter. We're gonna. I'm gonna help. Try again. We're gonna share with you from First Samuel chapter 13 and chapter 14. What we are just going to look is just from two groups of people um, who faced the same circumstances but acted in different ways. First Samuel, I'm just gonna take you through to First Samuel chapter 13 and just summarize it for you. <laughs> Uh, will you just help me just to journey with me as we do that? When we look in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, we just see Saul had just recently become a king of Israel. Hmm. One of the expectations for the king was to protect and defend Israel against combative and marauding enemies. 
nations like Philistines. Can you just imagine with me for a moment? You wake up in the morning, you lift up your eyes, and you look up around the hills of Migmesh. And there you see 30,000 chariots of Philistines and 6,000 horsemen and the troops that were like the sand on the seashore, all gathered to war against Israel. What an intimidating sight, especially if you are one of just 600 men who gathered to fight on behalf of Israel and with the king's soul. But to make the situation even worse, the vastly outnumbered sold, uh, uh, armies of Israel had no weapons. It is one thing going to war with less warriors, but it is another thing altogether, going to war with less warriors and no weapons at all. How did Israel get into this situation? Probably in previous battles, the, the, uh, the marauding Philistines had maybe confiscated the swords of Israel and also either captured or killed the, their, uh, their blacksmiths around all Israel. It was a very bad situation in such a way that the Israelites had to go all the way to their enemy's territory to get their farming implements sharpened. And where was Saul at that time? He was looking at this mighty enemy, a great army of Philistines with chariots and weapons who stood strategically, organized themselves on the high ground against the tiny army of Israel. At that time, Saul was sitting, probably sulking under the pomegranate tree, contemplating what he can do next. Maybe he was considering the ways of how he can communicate the ways of defeat. After all, everything was against him, or so it seemed to him. And the risk analysis is screaming out loud the warnings of likely defeat. And surely it will be prudent or wise to limit the risk of the loss of lives through negotiations, since defeat is all but guaranteed through what he could see, what he could feel, or what he could understand. Brothers and sisters, but Jonathan, his son, was different. Jonathan looked at the circumstances, but he came to a different conclusion. 
Jonathan made a room for God in his life. He looked at the situation, but he didn't respond as his father Saul did. He made a room for God. Let's just read from 1 Samuel chapter 14 and see how Jonathan and his Amabera did. Let me read to you from 1 Samuel 14. One day Jonathan said to his Amabera, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the outpost, the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Senna. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan said. We will cross over and let them see us. And if they say to us, stay where you are or we will kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here and we will teach you a lesson. Famous last words. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us to defeat them. So they climbed up using both their hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties, and just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of the Philistines began to melt away in every direction. And verse 23 says, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage beyond Beth-Avon. We want to speak to you this morning about building room for God, making room for God in your life. You know, this passage in Scripture would have read very differently if the military strategists had been the ones doing the advising. If they had crunched the numbers, this passage would have read differently. I'm sorry if you're an actuary or an accountant, but if the actuaries or the accountants with all their risk analysis and their programs and their models, if they had been doing the advising, this passage would have read very differently. 
Brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we can end up as Christ followers, worshiping, serving, even being led by logic, planning, and strategy. And yet in this passage, maybe this passage is only in Scripture because someone was willing to make room for God in their life and in their thinking. Someone was willing to make room for the miracle-working God, to make room for faith, which is believing when you can't see, which is believing when what you can see is overwhelming. I believe that when it comes to faith, there is such a thing as the tyranny of needing to know. We live in an age that pursues knowledge, pursues statistics and polls and probability. And if we're not careful as Christ follows, we can actually become overcautious in the way we live out our faith. We can end up becoming like Saul who gets stuck under a pomegranate tree. When he sees this mighty army in front of him, he just sits down and probably sat there sulking, overwhelmed by the situation, overwhelmed by a mighty uh, challenging situation, immobilized by fear. Stuck, lacking faith in the miracle-working God. And yet Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 commends the ancients of faith, who it says in verse 3, by faith they understood. There is an order to Hebrews 11 3, which is crucial. You see, faith in God precedes true spiritual understanding. In God's kingdom, it's not knowledge that leads to faith. It is faith that leads to true spiritual understanding. And making room for God in your life is a way to true spiritual understanding. And yet remarkably, when we look at this passage on closer inspection, Jonathan hasn't even heard a word from God. He hasn't heard some promise from God that today I'm going to deliver you in battle. There's no there's no word from God that Jonathan is working from. He's acting on, I believe who God is. He's right there, out there in the zone of perhaps. He says, perhaps the Lord will help us. He's banking on something. He's banking on his knowledge of who God is. He says in verse six, God can Nothing can hinder God. God can win whether by many or by few. He knows something about God and it's that knowledge about God that he's banking on. And because of that, he's willing to, to live in the realm of faith and perhaps. And because he made room for God, we have an incredible account in scripture of God acting miraculously on the basis of that faith. We wanna call you, we feel God wants to call you this morning to live in the realm of perhaps. As we reflected on your leadership's call for you as a church to build room for God, to make more room for God, we feel from this passage that God wants to call each one of you and ourselves included to not be limited by what we feel, by what we fear, by what we see, or even by what we can understand, but that God wants you and I to leave room for Him to act in our lives. There's such a contrast in this passage between Saul who is immobilized and stuck. He faces a challenging situation and it immobilizes him. He's lost 
sight of God in the context of a challenging situation. And then there's Jonathan, who is more impressed with who God is than his situation. Because of this, because of Jonathan's outlook, because of his faith, because he's got room in his life and in his thinking for a miracle-working God, God does act. God gives him and his armor-bearer an initial victory, and then God gives them Uh, God throws the Philistine army into confusion and ultimately God brings an earthquake and this army that was so impressive and imposing melts away before them. We want to tell you some of our story at Reconciliation Road Church in Amamzimtodi, South Africa, of how we've needed to build room for God in our lives. We we, We really can identify with this account in Scripture because we've been, for the last 15 years, pioneering a church that in our context is a really countercultural church. We've been building a non-racial, multicultural, and a class-crossing church, and we've been doing so in a nation, South Africa, that is still wrecked and reeling from our dark history of segregation and inequality and injustice. We've faced many challenges. We've faced many threats along the way. We've faced many setbacks. Sometimes I've been tempted. There are no pomegranate trees in our area, but they're banana trees. I've been tempted to sit down under a banana tree and just say, Rob, let's just give up. This is too hard. But we've built more room for God in our lives, in our individual lives and into our leadership. And so when God spoke to us, Years ago, to build a facility that would serve the vision that God had given us, we made room for God. And 10 years ago, we stepped out with just 120-odd people and about 50 Canadian dollars. We actually said to one another, if, if we can only buy enough diesel to move the, uh, uh, the digger a few meters, then we're going to do that. We are going to build this building that's ended up costing us about 900,000 Canadian dollars. We just stepped out. And God gave us some promises And God said to us, if you build the church, which is people, I'll build the building. God told me, uh, I wrote in my journal in 2009, felt God say to me, Gareth, you're going to need a big book to write down all the stories of what I'm going to do in response to you stepping out in faith. And we have stories. We stepped out in faith. We stepped out into the realm of perhaps. Perhaps God will do what he's promised to do. We didn't know what it would look like. We didn't have an impressive, finely tuned plan and strategy, but we knew who had spoken. And we knew that he is the God who is utterly trustworthy. He is the God who is the miracle working God who's able to do amazing things. Remarkably, as with Jonathan's account, one of the most impressive people in this whole passage is, is actually the armor bearer. Because Jonathan has an idea and he goes with it. And he says to Jonathan, do whatever's in your heart and with your heart and soul. And actually we think our people at Reconciliation Road Church are an amazing group of people. Because when we reached out and stepped out and made room for God and and called them to do something which might have seemed impossible. And I have no doubt many times there were people who thought, what are we doing but they actually tucked in and they made room for God in their own thinking and they followed our leadership and they built room for God. They stepped out into the realm of perhaps and together we've seen God do miraculous things. 
We've seen what God's done in this passage, God stepping in and doing a miraculous thing and causing an army to melt away. We've seen God do those things in our lives and in our church. It seems like God really loves faith. God really gets excited when we trust Him, when we make room for Him, when we build room for Him in our thinking. God seems to love to respond. And this morning, it's such a joy for us to stand here together and to be here in person because you may not know it, but you guys are a significant part of our story. You see, as we just started to build 10 years ago, stepping out into the realm of perhaps, in that very same year, in 2009, I met with Ron Irwin and, and uh, John Pritchard, and we had breakfast in Amamsam Toti, and Robert and I even weren't together in the same church at that time, and I remember Ron and John starting to talk about how can we as a congregation partner with you on the other side of the world, and I was sitting there just pinching myself thinking, God, how did this happen? You know, Mamsam Toti to Alberta, Canada is literally the other side of the world. How have you joined us together in some way? We had no real relationship and suddenly out of the blue, a local church in another part of the world was talking about partnering with us. And to me, this felt like in the story, God doing things we could not do. And I could tell you a hundred stories of how God's intervened in our journey of finishing our facility. We opened it earlier this year. Lois Dirksen was there for the launch and, and it was great to be able to open the facility and now we're using it. I could tell you a hundred stories of how when we made room for God, God acted, but I want to tell you one because that's all the time we have. And it was June 2012 and I remember we needed 1.4 million South African rands, that's around about 125,000 Canadian dollars and we needed to pour a suspended slab of concrete that had to be done all in one moment. It was the single biggest item in our building project. And we had 440,000 that we had managed to raise and it was saved up, but we needed another million. And so we called for our church to pray. We, we stepped out and we called on the miracle working God and we, we, we know that sometimes when we pray, we the answer to our prayers, aren't we? And uh, so we raised an offering and we gave. And I remember that Sunday in June 2012, we gave the biggest offering at that time that we'd ever given. And we raised 200,000 South African rands. And so if you can do the maths, that night I went to sleep satisfied, happy, feeling thank you Jesus for a congregation that stepped out and really gave generously. And yet I also felt a little bit like Saul. How on earth am I going to see another 800,000 so I can phone the building contractor? And what you don't know is that you guys were called by your church leaders at some stage to give. And while I slept, an email came. They don't take very long, but just for dramatic effect. <laughs> while I slept, an email. And when I woke up in the morning, guess what? I got an email from you guys saying, we're giving you a gift of, guess how much? 800,000 rand. And that morning, I phoned a building contractor. <laughs> this is what our God does. You don't always see the full picture. I don't see the full picture, but God is a miracle working God when we make room for him. Rob, why don't you tell us another story? Another time, another time when um, 
you guys allowed uh, God to use you was in 2015. And that really showed us that we serve an omnipresent God. As we were praying that side in the Manzamtoti, Deben, and you guys were also praying for us, and God spoke to you. When we as a leadership team of Reconciliation Road in South Africa, Deben, we were just thinking that, God, you have called us more than just what we do. We have called us more than just within four walls, but we have called us to reach the word with your gospel. So as a, as a leadership team, we were prompted by God to step out in faith in terms of our vision to plant churches by equipping the church planters. But we had no money at that stage to start those programs and run with them. But we made a room for God. We stepped out in faith. And guess what? Within weeks of us, of us having decided that we're going to step out in faith, like uh, Jonathan and Amapera, with a no-sort scenario, God prompted you guys here at Center Street Church to approach us and offering us um, an offering to help us with financing the church planting through us. As I'm standing here, the church planting mentorship program has lasted about three years uh, cycle already. And through that church planting mentorship program, as in this year in September, our first five graduates have finished this program. Mm. And from which these five graduates, out of two of them, we were able to plant two churches that are running right now. As we are talking, <laughs> as we're talking um, the, uh, in Sunday in, in South Africa, uh, it was morning, uh, uh, now it's, it's afternoon to them. They were baptizing eight people who gave their lives to Jesus. The church plan started with just five people, but now we've got about 40 adults and 40 kids, and we see more people getting baptized and getting saved. We are delighted to be here in person, Gareth and myself, to be able to say a huge thank you to you, guys, by just obeying God when he speaks to you. As we have given over the years, as you have trusted your leaders, and you have also, by doing so, you helped us to be able to build a facility that now became something that we called a resource base that we can be able to train people and take the gospel and, and advancing the gospel to the whole world. We cannot express how grateful we are, but we just want to say praise God by such people like you guys who allowed to be used by God and building a room for God and allow him to work. As we come to a close, I want to come back to the passage, and we feel that God wants to call both you and us to be like Jonathan, to be like the armor bearer, to build more room for God in our lives, to all live lives in the realm of not just what we feel, not what we can see, not even what we know, 
but to be willing to live lives in that realm of perhaps God will do this. To live in the realm of faith in God who can and does impossible things, miraculous things we couldn't have predicted or even planned for. So the question this morning we want to leave you with is will you? This will look like a thousand different things this morning in a room of this many people, but will you build more room for God into your life and into your thinking? What might this look like for you? You might have a situation in your life that feels insurmountable, like the picture that faced Saul and Jonathan. And maybe today, if you're honest, you actually feel a little bit like Saul. Maybe you feel immobilized by something that feels like it's just massive before you. Our prayer for you this morning is that you would see Jesus again, that you'd be fortified in your faith, that you would see God for who he is. You'd be more impressed with God than your problem and that you'd begin to step up and to stand out and to have faith again and then that you'd have the joy of watching the miracle working God act in your life and act through you. Maybe making room for God in your life is something that'll really impact your marriage. Maybe you've been thinking there are insurmountable things in your marriage. What would making room for God in your life look like in your marriage? Or maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's thinking about tomorrow. It's Monday tomorrow and you going back into a workplace situation. What would it look like if you made room for the miracle working God? You're a gifted people. God has given you talents abilities, passions, resources, time, relationships, what would it be to hand that over to God and make room for God to use those gifts, abilities, passions, resources for his kingdom? As you go home, what would it look like if someone who lives near you who doesn't yet know Jesus, what would it look like for you to make room in that relationship? Friends, God can do amazing things in our personal lives, in our corporate lives as churches, when we just make room for him. And so we want to pray. Robert is going to pray for you. We want to pray that you, that we would continue to be this people. We would not shrink in our understanding of who God is. Maybe you need to come and be prayed for today. We want to urge you to make room for God in your lives. Professor. Just want to take this opportunity just to pray for you. Doesn't matter what the circumstances that you're facing in your own life, mm. but we trust in the miracle working God. Amen. That is able to do everything above and exceedingly above that we can think or even imagine. Mm. Lord God, I come before you this morning. Pray for my brothers and sisters. We thank you, Lord, that you, you know us, and you know us by name. You even know the number of heathers in our, in our head. You know and understand every situation that we're going through. And we have just shown yourself 
in the story of, uh, um, of, of Jonathan and his dad. Lord God, and we just want to say, Lord God, that we don't want to be like Saul, but we want to be like Jonathan, who step out in faith and trusting you. Lord Jesus, that everything that is impossible with men, it is possible with you. Baba siyabonge kaminil gachos. Kukutsi wena wekluleke. Baba ngwele wena auna so iskaulo. Baba ngwele auna limit. Baba ngwele siyabonga kulungulotu ngwele. I pray kutsi naklesi skati ekseni. But yona bako beseza guwe. And be trusta ngechizu yabu. Baba ngwele that you will perform that miracle for them. And they will hear new testimonies of life that being changed, of being seeing God coming through for them and fighting their battles and won us victory and won them victory in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you glory and praise for this morning. Lord God, as your people taking the step of faith and trusting you, you will show yourself in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As we close our service this morning, our hope is that you have heard that you are part of this movement. By your generosity and being part of the Build uh, Give God Room campaign, we're able to do this around the world. We had said to you when we launched the campaign that we were going to attempt to build on five continents out of the seven. And you've heard from one today. And just as we close, I wanted to give Gallo a chance to share with you what exciting news he is bringing to us about our projects in Mexico. Thank you. When I was a young man, I learned from uh, an older brother about the importance of setting up uh, goals for your life. And I remember writing down in a piece of paper what I wanted to see God doing through my life. And one of my goals was to establish a leadership training center to help my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in Latin America to really discover how God can equip them to be able to serve in the local church or uh, to become uh, ministers of the gospel throughout the whole continent. As the years went by, uh, you know, you're getting, uh, you become an activist. You're involved in different kinds of activities and so on and so forth. And you tend to forget about those goals, those dreams that uh, when you are a young man uh, uh, wanted to accomplish. But as the years <clears throat> went by, through some people in my local church, I was reminded of that, um, that goal that I had in my mind. Actually, it was a couple who was moving out of Mexico, coming to Canada, and uh, they had this property there that uh, they have heard me talking that one day I would have, uh, I'd like to have this training center. And, and they contacted me and say, Gallo, uh, we're moving out. I wish we can give it away to you so you can use this property for the, for the training center that you wanted to establish. But we cannot do this. We can negotiate somehow, and we can uh, finance for you for a few years so that uh, you can have this uh, property, beautiful, beautiful property with a lot of trees and green areas and tree buildings in it, but only had a capacity for 42 uh, people to be able to sleep there and, uh, and receive the classes, the training programs, and so on and so forth. And so the next dream, once we were able to acquire this uh, property, was to expand the facilities and to be able to have uh, enough room for 100 people. And I remember coming here almost 20 years ago and sharing with you about this vision of uh, uh, expanding the facilities of this leadership center. And you begin to pray with me. 
and you begin to contribute towards that, uh, that idea, uh, the, that dream. Unfortunately, because of some legal situations, down, down there it took uh, longer to get the permits and the deeds of the property and all of that. But I'm here this morning to let you know that the pictures that you see there on the screen are the pictures of the process of breaking the ground and uh, building a new building as a result of your prayers and your donations. Uh, you also are building new room for people, for God, not only here in Canada, but you're also building more room for God in Mexico and throughout Latin America. We've been able to, since last June, up to this year, we've been able to build this, um, uh, this expansion that not only can hold 100 new uh, people, but it can hold 200 new people. And so I want to thank you for <laughs> your prayers and for your, for your support for this. And um, it's not quite complete yet. We still have to do the inside works, and, but the structure, the roof, everything is ready to the extent that uh, it was not in the plans, but in the month of September, uh, Pastor Wayne, Pastor Ken, and other leaders from the went down, and we already had our uh, first training seminar in the month of September. It's useful, and we will continue working, and we'll continue letting you know how God continues to um, build more room for God through you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. It's not just about us here. It's about God's kingdom around the world. And we're part of that, and you're part of that. So again, thank you for your generosity. You're going to hear more things over the next year as Global Ministries Weekends will let you know about the projects and the other three continents, including our own country, and what God's doing. I want to now just take a moment to throw this back to our campus pastors for them to close their services at this time. Friends, would you join me as we stand to close our service this morning? There will be prayer partners... Uh, up here to pray with you. We also want to encourage you that many of our partners uh, locally, nationally, and internationally are here with us in the atrium, up on the, uh, on the walkover and the bridge and down. Pop by and say hi to them. Uh, kind of if you know some folks there, go and greet them. See the good work that they're doing as well. And also as you leave today after I pray, we want to pray, we want, to, we want you to leave by hearing our partner church in South Africa's choir as our, as our benediction. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your good work, that you take a few fish and a few loaves, Father, and multiply it. And that's what you've done with our generosity, Father, unto you. So we celebrate what you're doing in South Africa. We celebrate what you're doing in Mexico. And we thank you because all of this is because of you. Mm. And so, God, we continue to, to, to lean into you for you to continue to guide and direct us, challenge us to give us more room in our lives for you. And so, Father, as my friends leave from this place, Father, may you bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.